Thanks for tuning in to the Middle School Ministry Podcast for Cornerstone Chapel. Let's head into the service and see what Pastor Turner has to share this week. Uh, We are going to be reading in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And while you guys are turning there, I'm going to kind of give you guys an idea of Acts, um, what's going on in Acts. Um, Acts follows directly after the gospel, after the life of Jesus. And what it is, is the story of Jesus, uh, of the disciples and the church, as it starts to build up uh, after um, Jesus ascends into heaven. And what happens is the disciples start to have their ministry and it starts to come alive. And the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and they begin to do amazing things. They begin to have wonderful ministries for God. And uh, in chapter 3, two disciples, Peter and John, go to the temple. uh, And they actually uh, heal a crippled man, a man who had been crippled for over 30 years. They walk up to him and they say, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And the man stands up, which is amazing. Uh, And then after that, they get on a box and they just start preaching in the temple that Jesus Christ is Lord, which is wonderful. And, And the real amazing thing about that, too, is before these men received the Holy Spirit, they were not preaching about Jesus. They were actually timid and scared um, because Jesus had been crucified, as you guys know, um, and he later came back to, to life. But when Jesus was crucified, they were terrified and they began to hide from the Jewish officials because they were afraid to even poke their head out in public because they thought they were going to get arrested like Jesus did. Uh, but now these guys who used to be afraid, who used to not even put their head out in public, now these guys are standing boldly and professing Jesus Christ as Lord in public because the Holy Spirit's in their life. So we're going to talk about that, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in these guys' lives. Uh, and we're going to start reading in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest family. A quick side note, these are the same guys that Jesus stood trial before. So keep that in mind. These are the same guys who arrested Jesus and put Jesus in jail. I'm not in jail, I'm sorry, who crucified Jesus. So as we read along, keep in mind, these guys are not Jesus fans, okay? Now think about that as we read and talk about uh, Peter and John, what they said. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? And they're referring to the healing of the crippled man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a crippled uh, and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become a capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we, are, we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since, the, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, there was nothing they could say. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody in Jerusalem knows they have done outstanding mer- this outstanding miracle, and we can't deny it. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer in this name. So they called in again, uh, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves what is right in God's sight, to obey you rather than God. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. All right, guys, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this amazing word we have, God, uh, for your scriptures and for the, for the stories of your faithfulness, God, throughout the ages. Back in the Old Testament, now in the New Testament, God, we, you've proven yourself faithful. And you've proven that just as you were powerful, then you're powerful now, God, in our lives. And when we pray that we, we look at this scripture, God, and we apply to our lives and we recognize um, what you have for us, how you would have us live in a more positive and understanding way, God. And we ask this in your name, amen. I know this is hard to believe, uh, but when I was in elementary school, I actually got into trouble. I was um, the, the, the troublemaker, as it would be said. Um, I often would be sent and have to like, we had like little bears and you had to pull a bear. And then there was like a, a bread bear. And when you got to a red bear, you were in trouble, man. So uh, one day I was a line leader and I actually got sent to the principal's office. Because I was a line leader, and what you want to do as a line leader is lead the line. And you want to get them into the cafeteria. Um, believe it or not, elementary school kids can't follow each other in a line, so they need a leader. I don't even know. Go figure about that. But I'm leading these kids, and they're taking forever to get into the cafeteria. Just forever. So I decide, you know, what would make me walk a little faster in the cafeteria. So I think, well, if a, a raging bear was trying to attack me, then I would kind of move a little bit faster. So I tell the kids... There's a, just walk like there's a wild bear back here, like chasing you in the cafeteria. And so I start making bear noises in the hallway. I just go, this is not a very good bear noise. Please forgive my bear roar. Just like, ah, All right, that was a little bit of an elephant noise. I'm sorry about that. My bear, my bear growls getting a little off. But I just start like banging around and like growling at these kids and scratching them. I'm like, this guy's crazy. So they start running and they like run in the cafeteria real quick and kind of made a little bit of a scene in the hallway. And teacher, Miss Early, gives me the finger. She goes like this, and she goes, so I had to walk over. She goes, Barrett, I think you need to go to the principal's office. Um, It's not really acceptable, that behavior. I'm like, what? So I go into the principal's office, poke my head in, and uh, Mr. Brown says, Mr. Phillips, have a seat. I'm like, oh, I am in for it now. I sit down, and he goes, you realize that you could be suspended, that you could have me call your parents at home, or that you could be put in attention for what you did. I'm like, yes, sir, I totally understand. I am so sorry about that. And he's like, it's just not acceptable to be a, act like a bear and chase people around like that. So I, I apologize, and luckily this time, this time, notice, he let me off the hook. But I was terrified in his office, because this guy had the right, if he wanted to, to punish me. I mean, he, he had the authority over me, if he wanted to, to call home, like I said, suspend me, whatever he wanted. And I was terrified before him. Here we look at this story, and we see Peter and John. And now they're standing before guys who don't have just the ability to call home or suspend them. They're standing before guys who have the ability, if they want, to beat up Peter and John, to put them in jail, or even to kill them. And that would, that would kind of be a little bit nerve-wracking. That would make me a little bit nervous I'm standing before them, and I probably wouldn't be as, as bold or as courageous as Peter and John are in this situation. It's really amazing when you read up how Peter and John, standing before these guys, who are the wisest guys in all of Israel, and who have the, the power, if they wanted to, to punish them, 
They're standing before these guys and they're saying Jesus Christ is Lord and they're not afraid of that. That says a lot about these guys. And w- when you look at Peter and John and when the, uh, when the officials looked at them, they noticed this boldness. You'll see also they noticed that these were ordinary guys. These weren't just like scholars or brilliant guys. These were just average guys. And, and it says it in verse 13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled men or ordinary men, so these guys, the officials recognize these are just normal people. They're normal guys off the street. But yet these normal-seeming guys are courageous, and their, ev- and their evidence uh, is showing through that they're not afraid of us, that they're willing to you know, speak God's word in front of us. And that, that shows, speaks amazing testimony to these guys. Uh, also, you see about these guys, um, they notice, the officials noticed, that uh, in light uh, of this, you know, in light of these ordinary men, they were doing incredible things. These disciples were tax collectors. They were unschooled, hadn't been to college, seminary, anything like that. These were just normal guys. But these normal guys were doing incredibly, incredible things. Uh, they, were, they were doing mighty things for God. And I know sometimes when you look at someone who's doing something incredible, you don't realize how they're doing that. For example, my brothers will come home from school and uh, they'll be like, Barrett, I got, a, I got 100 on my test. I'll be like, okay, who were you cheating off of? Because you are not smart enough to get 100 on any test by far. And you look at some people and what they do, and you realize there's no way they could do that on their own. There's just no way. And I think the officials were looking at these disciples, and they're saying, there's no way they could be that bold, they could be that outgoing, that eloquent in speaking on their own power. And it says here that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They attributed that the only way these guys could be the way they were or act the way they were acting is because Jesus was part of them, that he had, he had taught them and he had discipled them. Uh, and I, I think also it's incredible to note that even while they were, they were threatened further to stop preaching in Jesus' name, they weren't afraid to say no to the Sadducees. Here, later as we read on, they say, they threaten them and they say, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And even though they've been said that directly to their face, the disciples back to them said, look, you can't stop us from preaching or teaching about what we've heard and seen. You can't stop us. You can't shut us down. You can't shut us up. We're not going to stop. Man, that takes guts. The same before, as we said, someone who has the authority to punish, punish them and say, you can't stop me. I'm going to keep doing this. And you can put me in jail. You can kill me if you want, but I'm going to keep doing this. Man, that's a, that's a gut check. That says a lot about these guys. Um, I, I want to look at, at three things um, that the disciples really um, uh, brought about, or, or three things that the disciples demonstrated by living in the power of the Holy Spirit, um, that they accomplished by living lives that were for Christ. Uh, and, and the first thing is um, the, the disciples brought honor and respect to the name of Jesus Christ by the way they lived. Like we said, these men were living boldly. Uh, they were doing amazing things, and, and they were, they were do, like healing people and doing mighty things. And when they did that, they gave the glory to God. They said, this is by God's power that this is happening. This isn't by our ability. This is God who's doing this. So in doing that, they gave Jesus, or anyone who would hear about Jesus, a better name. So when they, when they heard the name of Jesus the next time, they think, okay, who was the last person who said, talked about Jesus? Well, that was those disciples who were healing people, who were passionately speaking before the Sadducees who weren't afraid or ashamed of persecution. It gave a good name to Jesus when, next, when people would hear about him later. 
Uh, also, the officials were afraid of the very name of Jesus. To be afraid of a name is a little bit crazy. Um, sometimes when I hear a wrestler name like the Hulk or the Rock, I mean, it's a little bit intimidating, not that terribly afraid. I'm not afraid of the name, but when these guys heard the name of Jesus, they were tripping. They were terrified, like, please don't use that name of Jesus anymore. It's too powerful. Uh, too much can be related with that name of Jesus. Like, we really don't want you to use that name anymore because it has too much power to it. And part of that reason they were afraid of the name is because of what the disciples were doing, because of the way they were living for God in a mighty way. Uh, the, the second thing that the, the disciples accomplished um, by living by the Holy Spirit, by, by living amazing lives for Christ, is the people listened and respected whatever the disciples said. They were willing to listen and hear about them talk about Christ, about Jesus, even if they didn't agree, because these men spoke with conviction. Because they spoke with, with passion and with courage, they were more willing to listen to them. It's easier to listen to a teacher who actually cares what they're talking about. Like, I remember, I remember uh, there was a teacher named Mr. Hanger, and, and he really didn't seem to be excited about what he was teaching about. So it was a little bit difficult for me to follow along, but then I had another teacher. Uh, I had Miss, Miss Early, uh, and she loved teaching. I could tell she loved math, and I'm not really into math at all. I think it's of the devil, but that's a whole other sermon. I'll get into that later. But uh, I, I know she loved math and like talking about it, so I was like, okay, I will listen to what you have to say because I, I know you care about this. I know this matters to you. And the disciples were saying, look, this Jesus, he matters to me. This Jesus, he's something I'm willing to die for. So people were willing to listen for what they had to say. They saw someone taking a stand, and they said, look, I'm willing to hear about what you have to say about this Jesus because you're taking a stand for him. Thirdly, what the disciples accomplished was they accomplished pointing the officials and the people who heard them speak to God. They caused them to acknowledge the power of God in their life. They couldn't deny what God was doing through them. For example, um, when they healed that man from, from, who was crippled and they healed him up and he was walking, he was standing right beside him. It, it was, it's a little bit difficult to, to deny when something happens when it's right there in front of you. Like uh, if my brother spills milk all over the ground. My mom walks in and the milk is spilled on the ground. It's a little bit difficult for my brother to deny that the milk was spilled or that he spilled it because it's right there. It's kind of hard to deny in, in, the same, in the same sense, in the same light, it was hard for the Sadducees, these officials, to deny that Jesus was doing great things through the disciples because right there was a miracle standing right in front of them. Right there was a guy who, who previously couldn't walk, but now he's healed. It, it's, it's difficult for them to say, well, your guy's not that great. I don't see any power or anything great he's done. They said, look, right here. Here's something he's done in our life, in this man's life, that's powerful. Here's something that he's done that, that, that's, that's only could have been done by God. And also the way the disciples were living was another thing they couldn't deny. They couldn't deny that these disciples loved God. They couldn't deny that these guys were willing to give their life for the, for the gospel. And that says a lot um, about, and, and that, that actually speaks a lot of testimony uh, for, the, for Christ. It, it points to God saying, look, this isn't about what we can do. God can do amazing things, and I can't even deny what God's doing right now. Uh, and, and, that, and that's really something uh, impressive about that. And when someone can look, or when these guys can look at the, the disciples' lives and say, only by God can what they're doing be accomplished, that's powerful. 
It means they know that God is evident in their life and doing things in their life. Um, what I love about the disciples is while they did preach and while they, did, uh, while they were willing to stand up on a box and sit in a city and, and preach the word of God, in the same sense, they were willing to live a life that preached just as strongly, even more so. They were willing to live a life that, in the same sense, they would speak about God's love and how they acted just as much as they'd speak it with their mouth, if, if not more so. And that, that has such power and testament to it, more than words even could. And you see, there is a, a testament too. When you take a, a man who is average, just any human, and, and you put a God who is eternal, who is righteous and powerful, and you put that God in someone's life, they have to change. Something has to be different. And it, it has to be evident for other people. They have to look at that person's life and see, man, they weren't the same as they were before. They're different. And when people looked at these disciples, they saw those guys are different than they were before. They're different than most people, you could say, because they have a God. And, and I think people lean closer to kind of find out the secret. Like, what is it? What is it about these guys that they can do amazing things? What is it that makes them so bold and so courageous that they would do these, these crazy things for, God, for this God they claim? And uh, it, it is important to realize that we should be changed when we, accept, when we, when we have God in our life. Uh, for example, um, when I was a kid, uh, my mom let me take, like, do a bath for the first time on my own. It was a big deal. So I was outside, and I had, like, a mud, like, all over me, like, behind the ears going on, like, all over. And mom's like, okay, Barrett, you go in there, you shower, you take a bath, whatever, just clean up. And I go, all right, mom. So I thought, I hated baths. I don't know, I just did. No, I mean, there were no bubbles involved. It was just a lame bath, so I wasn't really into it. I didn't have a rubber ducky, so I wasn't excited about it. So... I got a washcloth, I got it kind of wet, and I just like kind of just, you know, did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and then I like, you know, put on my uh, deodorant so it didn't smell too bad, and that was probably the extent. I didn't actually take a bath, and I thought I could get away with this, so I, I come back, and to my mom, I'm like, all right, I took a bath, and she goes, bear it, and she does like some of this right here, and there's just like this huge mud glob right there on my neck. And then, like, all behind the ears, and I had missed, like, spots all over me where I hadn't actually cleaned. And my mom's like, Barry, it's very evident you didn't actually clean. You're not that different from when you left the room. You're still messy. So it was evident my mom, Barry, you did not take a bath. In the same sense, when you take someone who's ordinary, who, who's fallen and sinful, and you put God into their life, you, you accept in your life the Holy Spirit of God, the all-powerful God. You shouldn't be the same as you were before. People should see a, a change in you, a betterment in you. They, you shouldn't even resemble what you once were. Uh, and it, it's difficult to claim that you have God in you if there is no change for other people. But today, we can live by the same power. We can have and experience the same um, wonderful, amazing um, abilities or, or grace or power that peop- these disciples had in the Holy Spirit, just like they did back then. We can represent God in the same capacity these disciples did uh, in, in our lives, in the very lives we live, just like the disciples did. Uh, we should live in, in the same three ways that the disciples did. Uh, we should live lives uh, that bring honor and respect to the name of Jesus. We should live in a way so when, when we say we're a Christian, 
people think better of Christians. When we say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, when they hear that, they should think, okay, they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, that person, they're legit. They actually care about this Jesus. I, I, I guess that speaks better of Jesus to them. When we live a life that isn't merely identifying ourselves with Christ, uh, but is identifying ourselves with Christ and also changing our entire lifestyle, living a life for God. That speaks so much to Jesus. That means being a Christian is more than on Facebook, putting under your religion status that you're a Christian. That means being a, a Christian is more than just throwing up Bible verses on your status. And I do those things. That, I mean, I identify myself as a Christian. And I love putting Bible verses in my status. But that's not the extent of my belief in God. That's not what it means to be a Christian. That's part of it the smallest part, if anything. The real test of being a Christian is living a lifestyle to where you say, I love Jesus, and this is what living by him, by his power, should look like. This is what embodied uh, living out a life with God in us should look like. We, we should rep Christ just as passionately as we do anything else. I know for me, um, I might get some booze, and I get some glares, but I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. And there's nothing you can say about it. Th- thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Someone understands what's going on here. A Dallas fan. Now, I love the Dallas Cowboys. I will rep them however hard I can. Like, I will wear the hat. Got the jerseys, like, five in there in my room. Uh, actually, in my basement, we have a huge, like, life-size picture of Tony Romo. Deal with it. He's awesome. Just saying. Um, and I just, I love the Cowboys. And I wear the bumper sticker, whatever. I want to represent the Cowboys. And I want people to know, hey, I like the Cowboys, and I'm willing to you know, show that, that representation of how I like the Cowboys and, and what I wear and how I cheer, whatever. In the same sense, when we say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, we should be repping that in how we live. Yeah, we can wear T-shirts, okay, that, that say I'm a Christian. That's good. But in the same sense, we should rep it in the way we live our life. We should rep it in, in how we treat people. We should represent um, how much Christ means to us in the way we live. I think we should all ask ourselves this question. Does me claiming or identifying myself as a Christian, does that hurt what people perceive of Christians, what people perceive of Jesus, or does that help them? In other words, when, people, when you say you're a Christian, do people think, oh, well, I guess you're a hypocrite. I guess all Christians are hypocrites. Or do they see a, a Christian, and, and you say you're a Christian, and they go, wow, Christians are sold-out people. They're people who care about this Jesus guy. They're people who, who love reading this scripture, and they're people who forgive and love and have compassion for others. So is their, um, is their respect or honor for the name of Jesus increased or decreased by the way we live our lives? And it should be increased. Um, also, we need, to, we need to, second point is we need to live our lives in a way that causes people to listen and respect what we have to say about Jesus. We should earn the right from people to tell them about Jesus. And, and we earn this by not just telling people about Jesus, but showing them, as we talked about earlier. We should demonstrate to them, hey, this Jesus, he means something to me. And when I talk to you about Jesus, I want you to listen, because this, this is important to me. This isn't just something I talk about. This is something I live out and I, I really care about. Um, this was really shown in a story, a, tr- a true story I heard about a, um, a Meze warrior named Joseph in Africa. And uh, he was part of this tribe, and they're actually, it's really cool, they're, they're lion killers. 
And to become a man in this tribe, you have to spear a lion, which is really beastly. I know. Wild lion, not like you have a gun revolver in the back pocket if you miss with the spear. You have to kill a lion, which is amazing. So this guy was a very strong guy. Um, And one day he left his village, and he encountered a missionary in the street. And this missionary told him about Jesus, and he gave him a Bible. And and the man got saved, and he accepted Jesus into his heart, and he said, "I, I, I want... Jesus to atone for my sins because I know I can't do it on my own. And he welcomed Jesus into his life. And after that, his life was totally changed. He said, I want to tell people about this Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came on him and he said, I'm going to go back to my village. I want to tell every single person who lives there that Jesus Christ is Lord and tell him what he's done for me. So he goes back to his village and he literally started knocking on doors. He'd knock on doors and go, hey, have you heard about this Jesus guy? He's incredible. He, he will take away your sins. He will make a way for you to go to heaven because we can't do it on our own. And, and he just started preaching the gospel to these people, and he's excited about it. But the people in his village didn't like that. Not only did they reject what he had to say and not want to listen, they actually got hostile. And, and after a while, a, a mob formed, and, and they grabbed him, and they, they dragged him to the city square, and they beat him. They beat him, someone they knew. They beat him because they didn't want to hear about this Jesus. And they dragged him out of the city and they dropped him and left him for dead. After a few hours, he regained consciousness. And rather than giving up, rather than being, man, this isn't fun, this isn't easy, he stood back up and he walked into the same city where they beat him. He started preaching again. Jesus Christ is Lord and I want you to know about him. I care enough to let you know about Jesus. Again, they grabbed him, and they began to beat him. And this time, they laced together barbed wire, and they began to whip him with that and just tear him open. Um, they dragged him again out of the city, and they dropped him, and they left him for dead. But then the third time, he stood up, exhausted, bleeding out, probably thirsty, beaten and tired and rejected, but he walked back into the city. And again, he claimed Jesus is Lord, and I want you to know about him. And then from there again, they, they grabbed him, and they began to beat him. But this time as they beat him, they wept. And that's the last thing you remember before he passed out. These people were beating him, weeping and crying. He woke up, and he was in a bed. And the people who were beating him earlier were now caring for his wounds. They were bringing him back to health. When he was better later, the entire village gathered before him. And they said, Joseph, tell us, tell us about this Jesus that you care so much about. Care us about this Jesus that you would be willing to be, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be killed, just to tell us about. They saw that this Jesus wasn't just a part of Joseph's life. This Jesus was Joseph's life. That he had a spirit of determination to live for Jesus in a mighty way. And he earned their, his respect, their respect. He earned the right to come before them and say, let me tell you about Jesus. And they listened. And in, in the city, as a whole, the entire village got saved because of his determination and, and his willingness to, to earn people's respect enough so we can speak to them. The last thing we should do is, is we should live in a way that makes people acknowledge the power of Christ in our own lives. We should point people to God with the very way we live our lives. Sometimes we, we focus too much on wanting attention. I know I do it. Um, we want people to look at us, look at what I'm doing, look what's going on in my life. Um, 
look how great I am or whatever. But that's not what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to say, look at my God. Look how great he is. Look what he is doing in my life and through me. Look at the amazing, um, the amazing power and courage he has given me to share the, the passion he has. And he's been working it out through me. Look at that. Don't look at me. If, if we can show people that by God we can accomplish things, we can love in a way that is incapable of being of, of that man is incapable of loving. We can forgive unlike anyone is forgiven. We can have compassion. We have a abounding joy unlike anyone else. We have compassion that just blows people's minds. We're willing to sacrifice. When we show people that, that we're willing to do that, we can, we can love in a way that doesn't even make sense to others. They're going to say, there must be something more to this. There's more to those people, those Christians, than just saying they're a Christian, going to church. They almost want to get closer and find out what is your secret? What's going on in your life? How do you do this? How do, how do you forgive someone who hates you and mocks you? How, how do you keep coming back and keep sacrificing of yourself? They lean in closer and like, what is this secret? And, and you earn the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, to point them to God who's really doing this, not even us. You see, we're just people. We are just dust and bone and skin and flesh. And one day we'll pass away. But when you take someone who is just a man or just a woman, and you take the eternal God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who set the world into motion, who controls the orbits of the planets, the God who knows everything that is going on, when you take that God in the form of the Holy Spirit and you put it in someone, They'll never be the same. People should be able to see it. We should distinguish to others. We should represent Jesus and God to the world by the way that we express or we live out our life with the Holy Spirit in us. By that difference, by that change, people should know who Jesus is. They should be able to look at us in a small way, just catch a glimpse of what real love is like. They should catch a glimpse of, of what God has to offer to them. Not in a full way, because we can never represent him in the way we should. We can never do him justice. But we are called, in the best capacity we have, to represent Christ to the world. We are called to live by the Holy Spirit um, and demonstrate the power and love of Jesus Christ to this world. Let's pray, guys. Dear Lord, I thank you for so much for who you are. For the, for the power of your name, for the, the power of your presence, for what you, can, what you have done on this earth and what you can do in our lives. I thank you so much for the change that you've given me and everyone else who has accepted Christ as their Savior, who has accepted that Holy Spirit in our life. And I, I pray that we would in no way block or diminish what you intend to do in our life. That always we would point people to you and not to ourselves. That, that when people saw us, in a, in a small way they would see God living in us they wouldn't see just just a man or just a woman but they would see someone a man or woman of God who is reborn by him and whose life is lived out in obedience to you lived out with passion for you God I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing for these kids God 
Uh, in your name we pray. Amen.